Hello, and welcome to What Goes Bump in the Night. Hello, and welcome back to What Goes Bump in the Night. This is your host, Trevor Jensen, and with me, as always, is... Riley Clark. And we are on episode 114. And tonight, we're going to keep the spooky vibes alive and dive into something we've never talked about before. Well, we've probably talked about it, but not in the depth that we are going to talk about today. (laughs) We are talking about the exorcism of Roland Doe. This story wild. is pretty freaking wild because this story sparked the imaginations and ideas. And the Catholic Church. <laughs> and the Catholic Church for the movie The Exorcism, which I have seen before. It's an old, old film. I have not seen it, honestly. That's sacrilege, too. It's pretty crazy. It's crazy. I've seen a lot of the other Exorcism movies, though, like... Oh, what's the one with the girl that they did recently in the last five years? Uh, uh, the Exorcism of Molly Hartley or something like that? Yeah, I know. Ex- something ex- like that. Exorcism of Emily Rose. Emily Rose is the other one that I was thinking of. There was a, a, also another one, too. Yeah, that was in Rome. Do you mm-hmm. ever seen that one? i seen that one. In oh, years. The Right? Have you seen The Right? Yeah, I think that's That one is about. good. That one's so sick. That one's really good, yeah. But, so, man. I, I think... What do you think? So we've talked about demons before and that we... We are pseudo-demonologists. Pseudo <laughs> is probably the best way to say it. Like, I, I think there could be, but I also think that it's a far chance. I'm so skeptical on it because I, I believe in heaven and I believe in hell, but I, it, it's also hard to say if demons legitimately take over host bodies and then do these type of things or are they just malicious spirits or is it a psychiatric thing Uh, and that's that's the other thing too is a lot of people will have mental breakdowns and And they will act act like it yeah so like we're gonna go through this story of roland doe and we'll let you be you know you're the the judge yeah you're your own judge and you know let us know down in the comments if you think exorcisms actually work if there are demons or if you think it's all a bunch of he said she said it's very likely that it could be a lot of he said she said but it also could on the flip side be a lot of truth and it's being hidden in the muddied waters because it is a lot of times when there is an exorcism like a lot of paranormal poltergeist shit happens leading mm-hmm. up to it I'm going to leave this one open for interpretation here because I don't have the hardest opinion on this exact exorcism yet because I don't know a ton about it, to be honest with you. So I'll give my opinion at the end after we've done all the reading of the research that I didn't do, (laughs) which honestly, I like doing it more like this where it's like, I'd like to go in blind and learn about it with everybody. Yeah. It's a lot more fun that way. It's more fun to live react with you. feels more interactive for sure. So of course, we're just going to read over the wiki. We always use wiki. Because it's, it's usually pretty good. <laughs> so, in the late 1940s in the United States, priests of the Roman Catholic Church performed a series of exorcisms on an anonymous boy documented under the pseudonym. 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 Oh. 
Okay, silent peas. Silent peas, baby. Roland Doe or Robbie Mannheim. The 14-year-old boy was the alleged victim of a demonic possession, Yuri. and the events were recorded by the attending priest, Raymond J. Bishop. Hold on. Let's stop there for a second. The priest is named Rob, Raymond J. Bishop. The priest bishop. <laughs> I, did, it is, I think it's really funny that it's so coincidental that his last name is Bishop. Subsequent supernatural claims surrounding the events were used as elements in William Peter Blady's 1971 novel, The Exorcist. In December 2021, the Skeptical Inquirer and The Guardian reported that the purported purported true identity (laughs) of Roland Doe Robbie Manaheim as Ronald Edward Hunkler, (laughs) June 1st, 1935 to May 10, 2020. So rest in peace, Ronald. You think he was a hunk? (laughs) <laughs> with the last maybe name like Honkler. Maybe it'll tell us to go, yeah, this dude was a hunk. He was a hunk. Okay. Origin of claims. In mid-1949, several newspaper articles printed anonymous reports of alleged possession and exorcism. The source of these reports is thought to be families, former pastor Luther Miles Schultz. According to one account, a total of 48 people witnessed this exorcism. Nine of them... Jews sweets, Jews it's. I've never seen that word before in my entire life. If you're gonna call them Jewish people, call them Jews. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean about it, but Jews sweets. I don't know. Jewist. Judas. Jewist. 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 Damn, we've spent a long time on that. All right. According to the author Thomas B. Allen, Jewist priest. It is Jewish. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. that, that sounded, sounded right. right. <laughs> Father Walter H. Halloran was one of the last surviving eyewitnesses of the events and participated in the exorcism. Allen wrote that a diary kept by attending priest Father Raymond J. Bishop detailed the exorcism performed on the pseudonymously identified, damn, that's a hard word, Roland Doe, a.k.a. Robbie. Speaking in 2013, Allen emphasized the definitive proof that the boy known only as Robbie, was possessed by malevolent spirits in unattainable... Yeah, unattainable, according to Allen. Halloran also expressed his skepticism about potential paranormal events before his death. When asked in an interview to make a statement verifying that the boy had actually been demonically possessed, Halloran responded saying, No, I can't go on record. I never made an absolute statement about the things because I don't feel I was qualified. So he's not outright saying it's not real, but he's saying I'm now I'm not the expert to ask here. I have my information that I have, but I don't know. Right. It's mostly it, that's what I get out of that. Yeah, he's gonna he's just saying I've basically I've read these journals. I don't, don't want to be true. Yeah, I don't want to be known as the guy that you know didn't figure it all out and then put a stamp of approval or denial on it. Right. Roland was born into a German Lutheran family during the 1940s. The family lived in a cottage city, Maryland. According to Alan, Roland was the only child and depended upon adults in his household for playmates. Primarily his aunt Harriet. Uh, I also know that her name, she, she is referred to as Tilly. Tilly. Aunt Tilly. His I like aunt that. Was a spiritualist and introduced Roland to the Ouija board when he expressed interest. Now it, this isn't in here. I don't know if it is or not, so I'm just gonna say it. And if we read it again, 
Cool. cool. Um, so when she came to the house, they did a seance with this Ouija board, and Roland was hooked. Like He loved it, you he mean? He loved it. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. That's pretty cool. Not long after, she dies, and then he starts these different behaviors. Do you know how she died? Did it ever say? No. I, I don't know how she died. So she died, and he starts acting a little bit different, and then things start happening in the house. Uh, something that I've seen over and over again is the first day of when things started happening is they kept hearing a dripping noise inside of the walls. Like Just that? like that. <laughs> and then I did that with my mouse. <laughs> I don't know how much time passed, but it progressed mm. to knocking and scratching. Interesting. That's that's very interesting. Then Roland's demeanor started changing, and he started having cuts appearing on his skin, and his mother would say that some of the cuts would start forming words. They couldn't figure that's out what fucked these up. Are, and then... Roland started doing a lot of spitting. Like spitting at people? Yeah, and speaking in tongues. But it was also known, according to the reports that are out there, I don't know if they're true or not, that Roland may have been, when he was at school and things, kind of a bully and a prankster. And Was he like that before? Or did it just... So he was a prankster and everything before the Ouija board. Okay. after the Ouija board, they're thinking that maybe it like escalated it. Escalated his mental state to where he had basically got to the point where he figured out that he might be able to miss school for an extended period of time. So he was playing the system. Yes. So I'm just gonna put that out there because it might change the story. It might not change the story. It's all but perspective it's, this here. Is just something that I'd watched earlier today uh, regarding the story, and I don't know if it's in here. So. True we'll that. Uh, according to Thomas B. Allen, after Aunt Harriet's death, the family experienced strange noises, furniture moving of its own accord, and ordinary objects such as vases flying or levitating when the boy was nearby. The family turned to their Lutheran pastor, Luther Miles Schultz, for help. Long interested in parapsychology, Schultz arranged for the boy to spend the night in his home to, or- to order to... S- in order to observe him. When parapsychologist J.B. Rhine learned that Schultz claimed he witnessed household objects and furniture seemingly moving by themselves, Rhine wondered if Schultz unconsciously exaggerated some of the facts. Schultz advised the boy's parents to see a Catholic priest. According to the traditional story, the boy then underwent a number of exorcisms. Edward Hughes, a Roman Catholic priest, concluded an conducted an exorcism on Ronald Roland sorry at Georgetown University Hospital a just I I don't know why I said the right the first time and now I can't get it again just institution during the exorcism the boy allegedly slipped one of his hands out of the restraints broke a bed spring from underneath the mattress and used it as an impromptu weapon slashing the priest's arm and resulting in the exorcism ritual being halted. I feel like that's dangerous. Like, if it's a real exorcism and everything's going like that, and then you just stop midway, I feel like that's only that's, bad. If Yeah, if this 
demon stuff is that just leaves the door wide open for even worse things to happen because you've stopped it when they had ultimate power. And it's it's literally like leaving the Ouija board open and just saying, come through. Right, and they just committed a violent act. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the family traveled to St. Louis where Roland's cousins contacted one of his professors at St. Louis University. Bishop, who in turn spoke to William S. Bowden, an associate of College Church, Together, both priests visited Roland in his relative's home, where they allegedly observed a shaking bed, flying objects, and the boy speaking in a guttural voice and exhibiting an aversion to anything sacred. Bowden was granted permission from the archbishop to perform another exorcism. The exorcism took place at the Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri, which was changed to the South City Hospital. Before the next exorcism ritual began, another priest, Walter Halloran, was called to the psychiatric wing of the hospital, where he was asked to assist Bowden. William Van Roe, a third Jewish priest, was also there to assist. Halloran stated that during this scene, words such as evil and hell, along with various marks, appeared on the teenager's body. Allegedly, during the litany of the saints portion of the exorcism ritual the boy's mattress began to shake moreover roland broke halloran's nose during the process halloran told a reporter that after the rite was over the anonymous subject of the exorcism went on to lead a rather ordinary life this is interesting so that's saying that the exorcism ritual was a success it seems like it that's for sure after he broke a dude's nose well and it's like if it was fake, the kid put on a very impressive stick where it'd make your bed shake, attacking people, speaking in like, I am the devil. Yeah, like, why go to that extreme? You know what I mean? Like, why, if you're going to play the part, why go to that extreme and then just be right. like, I'm going to turn it off now, Plus whatever. How- how do you explain the levitating objects, the bed exactly, and things like that? And, like, are these accounts of these levitating objects and moving things and the shaking of the bed, are these just played up? Or are these legitimate or accounts? escalations because the demon inside's getting more pissed? If multiple people that were there are all saying they saw these things... I'm going to say I believe more than I would right. we it not being true. The more people that can claim the same thing, the more Especially likely it is. priests and yeah. people that are no in the clergy. To lie. It would be... It'd just be dumb. It would be against everything they're about. A hundred percent. And, like, I guess it'd be, like, your claim to fame if you were to lie about it and be like, yo, I'm going to be part of this whole stick. And I'm going to be famous because I'm going to be one of the exorcisms that worked on this case. Which but this I, is 1940. I, don't know. I mean, people were experienced, like, experimenting with spirituality at this point. But it wasn't really like, you know, you were going to tell your neighbor that you're at your house doing seances. Right. Like, in today's world, you might say that people be like, okay, you're kind of weird. Or they're going to be like, that's cool as fuck. Right. I... <laughs> It's pretty fucking cool. (laughs) Investigations and explanations. In his 1993 book, Possessed, the true story of an exorcism, author Thomas B. Allen offered the 
consensus of today's experts that Robbie was just a deeply disturbed boy, nothing supernatural about him. Author Mark Obsnick questioned many of the supernatural claims associated with this story, proposing that Rolando was a simple and spoiled disturbed boy who threw <laughs> diabolical tantrums to get attention or to get out of school. Obsnick's reports that Halloran was present at the exorcism, never heard of the boy's voice changing, and he thought the boy merely mimicked Latin words he heard Clarimen say. Rather than gaining a sudden ability to speak Latin, Obsnick reported that when huge marks were found on the boy's body, Halloran failed to check the boy's fingernails to see if he'd made the marks himself. Obsnick also questioned the story of Hughes' attempt to exercise the boy and his subsequent injury, saying he could find no evidence that such an episode had actually occurred. During his investigation, Upsnick discovered the exorcism did not play, take place at 3210 Bunker Hill Road in Mount Rainier, Maryland. The boy never lived in Mount Rainier. The boy's home was in Cottage City, Maryland. Many, much of the commonly accepted information about this story is based on hearsay, is not documented, and was never fact-checked. There is no evidence Father E. Albert Hughes visited the boy's home and him admitted to Georgetown Hospital, requested that the boy be restrained at the hospital, attempted an exorcism of the boy at Georgetown Hospital, or was injured by the boy during the exorcism, or at any other time. There is an ample evidence resulting, refuting claim, sorry, that Father Hughes suffered an emotional breakdown and disappeared from Cottage City community. According to Opsnick, individuals connected to the incident were influenced by their own spec specializations. The psychiatrics Rob Doe suffered from mental illness. To priests, this was a case of demonic possession. To writers and film video producers, this was a great story to exploit for profit. Those involved saw what they were trained to see, each prompted to look at the facts, but just the opposite was true. In actuality, they manipulated the facts and emphasized information that fit their own agendas. Obsnick wrote that after he located and spoke with neighbors and childhood friends of the boy, most of whom he only referenced by initials, he concluded that the boy had been a very clever trickster who had pulled pranks to frighten his mother and to fool children in the neighborhood. Skeptic Joe Nickel wrote that there was simply no credible, ev <laughs> credible. credible evidence to suggest the boy was possessed by demons or evil spirits and maintains that the symptoms of possession can be childishly simple to fake. Nickel dismissed suggestions that supernatural forces made scratches or markings or caused words to appear on the teenager's body in unreachable places. The determined youth probably even without a wall mirror, could easily have managed such defeat. If it actually occurred, although the scratch messages proliferated, they never again appeared on a difficult-to-reach portion of the boy's anatomy. One of the occasions, the boy was reportedly seen scratching the words hell and Christ in his chest by using his own fingernails, according to Nickel. Nothing that was readily reported in the case was beyond the abilities of a teenager to produce. The tantrums, trances, moved furniture, hurled objects, 
automatic writing, superficial scratches, and other phenomenon were just the kinds of things someone of our, I'm guessing Roland's age, could accomplish, just as the others have done before and since. Indeed, the elements of poltergeist phenomenon, spirit communication and demonic possession, taken both separately and especially together as one progressed to the other suggests nothing so much as role-playing involving trickery. Nickel also dismissed stories of the boy's prodigious strength, saying he showed nothing more than what could be summoned by an alleged agitated teenager, and criticized popular accounts of the exorcism from what he termed stereotypical storybook portrayal of the devil. Very interesting. It's hard to say. I mean, you have all these different accounts of people saying truth and people saying not truths, and then it's like, well, skeptics are going to lean towards the size of it being very logical. I wonder if anyone actually talked to the person who they tracked down to actually be him. Or True. Or didn't say anything. I just, it's, it's interesting because you know people are always going to be skeptical. Always. And it's not hard for skeptics to poke holes in plot lines where things don't always add up. But in cases like this, what is real? Like, how can we say, like, this stuff happened the way it did or it didn't? When we weren't firsthand there. Right. That's the thing that gets me the most is like all these writers. It is crazy that he wasn't able to track down the medical records of him being at the hospital. That adds a lot of legitimacy to what they're but saying. But do we know his real name? We don't even and know is if the it was person real. who they say was the real person, is that even the real person? Or is the Catholic Church fudging it because this stuff really happened and they didn't want it to get out? Because I'm pretty or sure they keep a lot of it lock and key. They did so that they could get more people to come to the church. That would also because make sense. Because if people are afraid of the devil, what are they going to do? They're going to dive deeper into their religion, yeah, bringing more money to right the churches, to the because more people are going to come to church. Mm-hmm. Catholicism is one of the biggest like religions out there, too. Excuse me. So, religious perspectives. Two Christian academics, Terry D. Cooper... A professional of psychology, and Cindy K. Epperson, a professor of sociology, wrote that advocates of possession believe that although they are not frequent, exorcisms are necessary for casting out the demonic, and cases of genuine possession cannot be explained by psychiatry. Psychiatry. It's so hard to say. Cooper and Epperson devoted a chapter of their book, Evil, Satan, Sin, and Psychology, to the case, dismissed natural explanation in favor of supernatural perspective regarding the nature of evil. See, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and like professor you, of psychology and a you, professor yeah, of you sociology have, going, we can't explain this. It's exactly. more supernatural than it is. And then you have writers saying, well, this isn't true. I couldn't fact check it. You can't always fact check everything to a T. How are you going to fact check the story that only has personal accounts? And I don't think, because this was like the first well-documented exorcism that, you know, really made its way through the public eye. How are you going to sit here and say that some of the accounts weren't, you know, twisted up a little bit through word of mouth? Because not everybody knew what they were doing. Right. And stories can change literally within two people. Have you ever played phone? You right. know what I mean? Like it, it three it people. Change. Three people, the story can be completely left field. Mm-hmm. So I mean I 
I I would like to say at this point in our little research tangent that I'm leaning towards the size of like if this stuff is really happening with like the paranormal aspect of all of it, it could very well be a demonic possession. But at the same time, you know, like you have your skeptics that are always going to try to poke the plot holes. But For, it's it's hard. It's one of those things. It is a money until you too. experience it. You really you're just a skeptic at that point. Yeah, that that's pretty much where I stand on this line too. Where it's like I have yet to see a demon or a demonic possession itself. We've had spirits say, I'm the devil. Like, oh, God. Yeah, it spooked me, but it wasn't like a... It was more exciting, honestly. mm -hmm. Like, okay, you're the devil. Talk to us then. Prove it, you know? like I haven't had any bad thoughts or anything like that from investigations. So it's like... you are fucking levitating at night and twisting our heads. You know how fucking cool it would be to levitate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I I would love that. We supposedly talked to the devil. You'd think the devil would follow us home. Yeah, we open the door. Why would he just leave us to be? I mean, I'm not... And I'm not old. doubting that we talk to something, but I just don't know if it's devil or demons. Right. Like, that's for sure. Like, think about it. A spirit, what if they were a prankster in real life, and they're stuck, and they're like, I'm a ghost, and I know I'm a ghost. What are they going to say? I'm going to fuck with these people. I'm the devil. Like, <laughs> Or even like on the aspect of, like, if this kid was a trickster, and he was playing pranks, wouldn't you think that... Yes, you would be more susceptible to thinking, like, oh, he's just making it up. But what if, like, a demonic-possessed person that already gives those, like, attributes out is an easier target for them because it's more like, oh, he's just going to blend in and they're not going to realize what's really happening. That's true, too. Like, he's he's a a better target because they can hide it better. Mm -hmm. Because no one's going to believe this kid. Bless you. Thank you. Holy crap. Damn. I don't know where it came from. It just hit me. It was the demons. Getting the demons out of me. Apparently, I have some demons in my nose. Uh, literature and film. The Exorcism case inspired a 1971 novel, The Exorcist, The Exorcist, <laughs> The Exorcist, by William Peter Blady, which turned was adapted to the 1973 horror film of the same title, The Exorcist. The case also inspired the 2000 movie Possessed. That was another one that I've seen, too, actually. I think I've seen that one, too. Yeah, which is said to be closer to the story in Alan's book. A documentary was made of the case titled The Grip of Evil. Another documentary film was made in 2010 titled The Haunted Boy, The Secret Diary of the Exorcist. That's what I was watching when you came over. Yep. It was on, uh, like, ID Discovery or whatever. Yeah. Uh, where a group of investigators travels to the locations and questions... And question and uncovers the diary that is said to be kept by William S. Bowden. So they actually look at this diary. Yeah. See, now, if there's, like, a first-hand written account of things that are happening, why would you write it down and fake it? I really don't understand why that would be the thing that you want to do. I get claim to fame and all that, but, like, you're not you're not doing yourself a great justice. Because if your name gets tarnished because they find out you lied about it, you're infamous for being a liar. And think about what this does, too. Like, so the story starts off with a Ouija board. This is what starts it all, right? We know Ouija boards can be very dangerous. 100%. Was this boy playing with a Ouija board by himself, potentially, and unlocking Oh, he could have easily. Was it Zozo? And that's the other thing is there's many, like, lieutenant type of demons that are 
pretty fucking powerful, just like Beelzebub. Right, and we know almost every culture that's ever existed in human nature has had some type of demon mm-hmm. and devil and god. Like, every religion, re- every religious sect, every every like somewhat religious person believes that there are evil spirits that are either demons or closely related to them, but they have different names and, you know, there are different classifications for them. So it's like, you look at all these different societies throughout time even, and they all claim things like this. And it's like, is it a coincidence? I don't think so. Right. Exorcisms have been around for a very, 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 very long time. It's it's so these these are topics that are always really hard to ingest because you want to you want to believe it. But then you have the skeptics telling you otherwise. And you always want to err on the side of being logical. But some things you can just not explain away with logic. And I, I really don't feel like if they have a written account of this, multiple eyewitnesses and the story has traveled as well as it has, that it's all fake. I don't believe that. Like, it's, it's just one of those things. Like, there's so many cultures. I'm going to read off some of the cultures that have exorcisms in their culture. Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, Sikhism. Catholicism. Te- Taoism. Taoism. Like, those are some of the biggest religions uh-huh. in the entire world. A hundred percent are. And... You're telling me that I mean, they're all making Catholic it up? Catholic isn't on there unless it's under... Yeah, it's kind of under Christianity, I guess. Eastern Orthodox, Lutheran churches, the Church of Latter-day Saints. It falls under all the blanket is really what it is. It's literally every religion. And you're telling me that there is not some validity here? I don't believe that. I do believe that malevolent spirits are real. And that slapping the demon tag on them every time might not be the right thing but there are malevolent demons not demons malevolent spirits that are doing malevolent things yeah and maybe one day when we're doing all these ghost investigations and stuff maybe we'll, we'll encounter have, something maybe we're encounter something and like you have been scratched before you got scratched that at mouth. mouth yeah it happened it for sure happened and is that a demon or is that a malevolent spirit or was it a stick well not a stick <laughs> definitely not a stick i remember that distinctly and it was like walking around not you know not in a bunch of brush and trees and stuff and then we walked back to the car and i'm like what's burning in my back what is this yeah and, and it's, that's the same night we caught the shadow figure yeah and it's like no nah, this ain't right like that's weird like I, I think anyone has the ability to get possessed potentially. Like even, like your mental if, fortitude has a well, lot to do with it. Think of this. Like, even if you're feeling emotions that aren't your own or thoughts that aren't your own while yeah. you're doing an investigation, that's technically a possession. And yeah, in a, in a way, it definitely is. Like if it's invasive, it's definitely some type of possession. If it's taking over your thoughts or your emotions or how you're feeling, like. Like, you it's know manipulating you, you right. at that point. Like you know you shouldn't be that way. Like mm-hmm. you're having a great day, you're having fun investigation, and all and of then you're, you're like sad. crying. Like, yeah, super sad. Or like all of a sudden you're just like angry, angry, and you're just like fuck you guys. Like ah. Or it, you could even go as far as saying like when we went and did um the Nunica investigation, 
I don't know what got un, like under my skin to provoke as hard as I did all night, but I was on one that night, and I don't normally do that very often. And if I do, it's maybe like a you guys are chicken, not like fucking pussies. Right? Yeah. Like, vulgar, why did I do that? Like being vulgar and yeah. stuff towards it's not, the ghost. And it's not like it's in my normal when like. We usually habit. try to conduct a very respectful investigation. A hundred percent. And that that could easily be a sign of some type of possession, where it's like it is manipulating your your like outpouring of emotions like how you were saying or you could even say that it's it's something trying to possess you and that's just the outcome that it may like you know what i mean like your your mental fortitude was stronger than what the demon was possessing to get into you and yes it might have hindered your emotional levels a little bit but it didn't fully get to what it wanted demons it's your boy demons <laughs> climbing in your windows I'm snatching all your people up. Snatching your soul up. Man, it's it's such these these are really interesting so stories. Let's get back to the the nitty gritty here and decide. Do you believe this story actually happened, or do you think it's was? I think some of it really did happen, and it most likely was some type of paranormal possession or demonic possession. But I do think there's some validity in some of the claims of where, like, I don't think all of it happened the way it did. I think, if anything, the supernatural things that happened probably did really happen. As far as some of the things that happened during the exorcism, like the scratches. That stuff things, gets very muddy because it's a very intense thing, too. He very easily could have done that himself. Especially yes. if he's being unwatched and then they show up and he's bleeding from his chest yeah. and there's things... Like, you have to be some type of crazy though to be able to dig into your skin and make yourself you bleed. And it never says if, like, through their psychiatric evaluations, if they came up with anything. Yeah, like if he's schizophrenic or right. And this is also split personality. So I don't know where the mental health. Yeah, was not what it is. That was because they were probably still putting people in psych wards that had low care and like. Yeah, lobotomizing kids and stuff. Right. Like we've we've been to an insane asylum and we it's know pretty wild. What, how they treated these people. It's, fu- it was it's pretty awful. fucking wild. The so, cold like, baths. Imagine how they're gonna treat a child. Yeah, especially one that's just acting out when he's not really possessed. It's I'm gonna treat you the same way. And nowadays, you still, you you know, like we all know that the Catholic priest, they still have a handful of people that are allowed to do exorcisms yeah i mean ghost adventures has done exorcisms on their show before and some people have some weird they have caught some weird shit yes that's true like, i'm always super skeptical of the tv show ones but at the same time there's some truth there because like you said they have definitely caught some interesting right, you're not things. just gonna film an exorcism and put it on youtube because then people are just gonna say whatever they want yeah if it's on a tv show that's always about ghosts and they want the ratings, and they want people to watch it. You got to play it up a little bit, but at the same time, like some of these people, but do like, you? But, but do you have? You to know that you're thinking of the one that I'm thinking of right now, probably, where the guy is in his home and he just goes beat red, sweats profusely, is like hits the cross out of the dude's hand, yup, and is and like, like vomiting and shit. Yeah, yeah. freaks out when holy water. Yeah, holy water touches him. He starts vomiting. Like, yeah, profusely. and it's like, okay. How are you going to get someone to vomit yeah. willingly? No one likes puking. No, and, and like, yeah, it's very dramatic, but at the same time, it's like, if that's for the camera, the dude did a really good job of acting. But I it, I didn't feel like it. Some of them do. Some of them feel like complete bullshit. 
these house calls too that they're having. The, those the these are very stuff, interesting those too. Those are really good because some of these people are dealing with some dark shit, like super like traumatic the, events, like the one that tried to burn their fucking house down. Yep. After his dad died or whatever, the mm-hmm. microwave started on fire and it wasn't no wasn't even cooking anything. Yeah, it's like what I've never seen anything like this before. So like I. I'm so split. I'm like I know I, that's exactly where I so land too. Is right in the like, middle. There's part of me that wants to believe that demons are real and that possession is real because you see it in the movies and you're like, I can that'd be see so some crazy of this stuff being like actually happening. Like the whole like speaking in tongues. Like if someone if somebody starts speaking Latin, Latin and yeah, who knows Latin? Like who just knows Latin? Yeah, it's it's not like they teach it in schools. Not well, very big schools. I mean, schools, when you are doing the exorcism, you are speaking to them in Latin, so there. But is... if they're saying other words that you are not saying, and they're like responding to you in a different language that they have, you know, they have no knowledge of. Like if they're just like randomly Which speaking that Russian did in that Ghost Adventures mm-hmm. episode, he was speaking in Latin randomly, and it's like it was man. like under his breath, but like he was doing it. I it's it's such. An interesting topic, and it it's probably ne- it's one of those topics where you'll never get your complete confirmation if it's real or not. That's the shitty part. Until you meet your maker, whatever you believe in, and you ask him one hundred percent, like, what was this? Is this what I think it is, or is this what I didn't think it was? And it might be something completely different, even. And we just don't know. We don't have all the answers. We, I mean, we might claim to be like pretty pretty versed in all this stuff but like i don't have all the answers i never have i hope to but until until i see it with my own eyes i'm gonna fall right in the middle i'm i'm right there with you like it's so here's a little detail on um the the guy who it actually was uh ronald edwin hunkler so maybe this will give us a little insight of maybe what have happened Right. Uh, Heckler grew up and became a NASA engineer who patented a special technology to make space shuttle panels resistant to extreme heat and the Apollo missions of 1960s, which led wow. to the astronauts being able to walk on the moon in 1969. Wow. Uh, William Petter Blady, who wrote the 1971 novel and then the film The Exorcist, first heard about then Roland Doe's apparent demonic possession when he was a senior at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. The Guardian reported Georgetown is where the story of the film and book took place. I'm going to go out on a limb here, too, and say if any of our listeners have ever felt like they have been possessed in a demonic way, I'd love to talk to you about it. I would love to pick your brain, and if... I, I really wonder if the people that are demonically possessed have recollections of this stuff happening. Right. Let's see. Uh, Doe's true identity was also known by a handful of academics and reporters who studied the pho- phenomenon beginning in the mid-1970s. Uh, Heckler apparently lived in fear of more people finding out than he was that he was Doe and re- received the exorcism in his youth. A colleague of Huckler's at NASA who worked with him for 29 years said Ooh. he was friends with him and knew of his secret and that Kunkler was afraid of his other colleagues at the Goodard Space Flight Center finding out that he was the inspiration of the exorcist. Yeah, you got to think too. Like, 
is that going to ruin your life or are you going to be a pariah because of it after the fact? It's it that's that's another reason where it's like that's a big deterrent for me where it's like these people were just faking it. You don't want to ruin your life over something like that. Right. There's no but reason he to. He ended up working for one of the most prestigious companies in the entire world. He coined one of the most fucking used like scientific like space exploration like what do you want to call like, it? We might not Technology. Have, so just think about this, people. We may have never walked on the moon if it wasn't for a little boy being possessed by the demons. And then being exercised. And making him scared to show what actually had happened in his real life. Did he get scared straight? Let's see. On Halloween, we always left the house and became... Oops, sorry, let me start that over. On Halloween, <laughs> we always left the house because he figured someone would come to his residence and know where he lived and never let him have peace. The woman, who asked not to be named, told the Post he had a terrible life from worry, worry, worry. And that just makes it more realistic to me. If the person that was faking it is anxiety-ridden from all of it, that just doesn't seem like he faked it then. I, I wouldn't believe that he faked it off of the living your life in fear of people making you out to be what you don't want to be. So the uh, New York Post reports that he did spend months inside of the St. Louis hospital for the Guardian, one of the two. Even though they were saying that, though, we have no accounts of him going to this other hospital. So, yeah, something so Ostetter, was happening. Ostetter might have been speaking out of his ass. It, that's the thing too with reporters and people that want to come up with this right. I'm writing this for the journal like no dude not all that stuff right, that people that write about is true that guy makes his money right saying that didn't happen these are the facts yeah and it's like when, your facts are completely incorrect right how do we know his facts are the facts he who fact checked him he didn't talk to this guy no he didn't sit down and have a, a man-to-man interview with him some crepes and tea talking about something that happened you know 40 years ago in his life Mm -hmm. just like the accounts of the people that get abducted by aliens like you don't see them like oh my god like this and that and the other thing i'm in it for just the money like no these people are like legitimate believers and if you if you go from an exorcism to being scared of all the stuff after the fact that adds so much validity Right. To the side so of it trauma. being real. It shows that there was actual trauma in uh-huh. his life. And I mean, we also don't really know what his home life was really like. Like, yeah, we might have had accounts of him being a bully and a trickster. What kid isn't? My kid What 13-year-old kid is. isn't a bully and a trickster? Yeah. Even if you don't think you're a bully at 18, you're probably You're a bully. still learning the ropes. You don't know what is right from you're wrong completely yet. You're an adolescent. You don't know everything. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. You think you do. Yeah, you don't. A hundred percent. When I was thirteen, I was the most naive. Like, I am gonna be a fucking billionaire. Dude, what? What did? What would he think he was actually going to gain other than missing school for a little bit if he did all of these plays? Exactly. Like the payoff is not worth the fucking hurting himself, ostracizing being yourself, stuck in a hospital. Yeah, being what? Sitting what thirteen year old kid? For hours. Wants to go to a psychiatric ward because you're having a fucking mental breakdown. What 13-year-old kid? I don't care who you are. You do not want that. I, I, unless you are legitimately schizophrenic and, like, really Which need help. I don't help. think he was. He was obviously a very intelligent human being. Uh-huh. Like, extraordinarily intelligent. Yep. 
that's that's where I'm. That's where if if I have to come to a conclusion off of this based on our talk, I'm leaning more towards the realistic side of it, where this really did happen. Yeah, learning a little bit more about him, I think really puts more into perspective. More into the perspective that this could have actually happened. It, it's always tough because, like, you know, we did Dear David, and there's a movie coming out about Dear David. There actually. is a movie? Yeah, we covered that at the end of that story, remember? I forgot all about it. I'm super excited about that movie then. Yeah, like, it's the same thing. Did Dear David actually happen? Only that guy knows. Yeah, and I think, I do think that that Dear David was made up. But that was because I think the guy himself even said, I did it for Reddit at one point but then again like is he just saying that because he doesn't want to be a pariah just like how most people that would come up with a stupid story that's like no this really happened and then you get turned out to be a liar it's like well now my life's fucked because of it or I did steroids my whole life and now I'm Barry Bonds (laughs) my testicles are the size of peas yep so it's 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 such a hard it's a hard pill to swallow because skeptics will always be skeptics. And yes, this story made for great movie and writing. 100% does. It does. does. It, it really does. For amazing, amazing storytelling. But who does it benefit more? The person that it happened to? Obviously or the he, people that he, made the other things? Right. Obviously, the person that experienced this had no benefit for him. Nope. It didn't progress his career in nasa nope if anything it would have haltered it would have hindered him as shit too they would have thought he was crazy yeah as as soon as they're like oh you you believe in demonic possessions and you made this story the movie who you're the movie yeah no i'll I'll go with the other guy no i i don't believe that i really don't believe the only people who benefited from the story are the writers the directors the writers and the journalists only the only people maybe maybe um the person that it happened to gets a kickback eventually but he probably was not involved in the movie exactly i doubt he was ever involved in the movie the journals or any of that stuff i doubt it hated the fact that there was a movie about it yep if you're gonna hide the fact that you were the person that it was based off yeah now if it would have been the opposite where he's like yeah this was me i'm getting money from it too yeah you fucking faked it 100%. 100%. If you're only in it for the money, 100%. But what 13-year-old would have had that mindset, you know? Even if you are You'd still have to be a genius, but... He would have been intelligent enough, definitely, to think of this, but why would he sit in the shadows this entire time? 100%. After creating this facade. I mean, it just doesn't, look, look how big it made it, more too. More things add up to it, actually. Now we're diving deeper and deeper into this. More things add up for actually happening than then to the other side to the other side yeah like yeah wiki does a good job of pointing out the other people that are the, the like naysayers but you you delve deeper and deeper into his home life his backstory the after effects of all of it it just doesn't add up it none of it adds up the way that it should at that point right so, it's crazy fuck Remember, folks, we are looking to hit a 1,000 downloads this month, and if we do, we're going to do a trick-or-treat giveaway. The only way to figure out what we're giving away, though, is to listen to our episodes 1,000 times this month. Tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your kinfolk. If you haven't been telling people about our podcast, I don't know how we're going to get there unless you start from episode one. and Let it ride. Literally 30 people will start from episode one and listen to every single episode. 
That's quick maths. That's quick maths. <laughs> That's 10 people listening to all 100 episodes in a row. Yeah, in a row, back to back to back. All 100, I was going to say all 114 of them. That'll put us over the limit. That Whoa, my gosh. We It might even get us on some top trending tarts. Tarts. That's kind of, <laughs> tarts. That's kind of why we came up with this goal, like to help the podcast get more ears on it. Like the more downloads we get every month or every week or every day, betters our chances of being put on some type of category or we hey, can make it into the, like top the top 10. 200. Yeah. Like, for a long time, we were actually trending in like the top 150 of podcasts in a bunch of different countries. And as of re- recently, we have dropped out of those and it hurts my feelings. It hurts my feelings. Very hard. But then again, this is a very oversaturated platform for people to do stuff. It is. And there's more and more stuff. podcasters yep. coming into this. This. Does that deter us? No, no. definitely not. Are we in it for the money? No, I'm in it for the fun and the enjoyment of learning about these topics because these are always so interesting and there are so many different topics out there that we can cover. And if you guys have any ideas where you want to hear a certain story told or a location that's haunted or even any type of cryptid alien story, just email us. us. Find us on the Facebooks. And uh, remember next week on Instagram, we will be doing an interview with the Everything is Scary podcast for his graveyard shift, Tales from Beyond. Super excited for that. Super excited. Awesome. Let me, give him one second. I'll find the time. He's in a different time zone. so We're networking. I believe we're shooting for like 7, 8 o'clock somewhere in there. Yeah. So it's not terribly late, so if you want to tune in, I would greatly appreciate it. Probably be 45 minutes, you know, typical length of our podcast. It's not like the one we did with Tommy where it was like four hours long. Yeah, it's probably not going to be like that one. Because we could talk forever and ever about this stuff because it is all a blast. And I'm really excited to hear what he has to say about his experiences and why he got into all of it. Yeah, super excited to talk to him. Um, His name is Frank. Super cool guy. He's from New York. He's a cosplayer. He does Spider-Man cosplay pretty badass it's fucking sweet i'm not gonna lie it's fucking sweet and then i have on this friday that's coming up tomorrow actually i'm going to the henderson castle with danny the man who married me and what is his channel called why can't i think about the top of my head i feel like such an asshole right now it's We'll add it to the notes because I literally I know so many people that have channels now that I can't remember it. But we get to go to Henderson Castle. Unrestricted. Paranormal. Unrestricted paranormal. That's what it is. I knew it was that, and I just couldn't remember it off the top of my head. Sorry, Danny. But we're also going to hopefully get a lockdown on a date that we can also interview with him on his page, and then maybe do another one. With we're our still page. working on the big spot investigation we haven't heard back from him, unfortunately kind of yet i'm wondering what happened with that but i'm going to email them again and push our luck it'll happen more. eventually people we'll if not we'll find somewhere else to go it's fine it's fine and it's I, fine. I think we're going to get our foot in the door with henderson castle because i think we will eventually be able to go investigate henderson yeah, castle too which is sick danny has a bunch of videos from there uh tommy has videos from there randy's mm-hmm. paranormal has videos from there all of our friends have done All of it. our friends who live down there have been there. <laughs> 100%. And it is going to be a blast. Super haunted. I know Tommy caught like a door opening there. On its own and got it on video. Yeah. Sick. Before they even started. Yep. It was sick too. I watched that video a couple of times and you can easily see the door like 
manipulate itself. And it's like, whoa, that shouldn't have done that. I've had some crazy stuff happen Yeah, there. and so I get to go have dinner there, check out the cemetery across the road, and get a tour of it, and, you know, get the whole layout. So yeah, apparently the cemetery across the street there is really Super haunted, haunted too. too. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep hearing, and I'm like, I'm super excited. Thank you, Danny, for marrying me, and thank you for this wedding gift. I'm super excited about it. But, yeah, remember you can find us on every podcasting platform, Spotify, Apple, uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Deezer, Stitcher. Yeah, Podbean. We are on Stitcher, we're people. On, yeah, we're on remember, Stitcher Remember, for, like, the first two years, we were like, we can't get on Stitcher. Fuck Stitcher. Stitcher hated we're us. We're there now, people. Amazon, Audible, all those freaking places. Google What Goes Bump the Night podcast. Yeah, you will, you like will find us easily. And remember to keep your ears and eyes open for what really goes. Boom. I love you guys. Stay away from them demons. Yoy!